0: Well, as Sean said, my name is Scott Lessing. I'm one of, the, one of the pastors at Grace. Sean and I worked together for about six years while they were at Grace, and um, I just wanna share with you a little bit about me and my family first before I get started. Uh, my family's here with me uh, during this service. I have a picture of them, which they didn't know I was gonna do, but um, my son Carter is next to me, uh, my daughter Callie, Carter's 17, Callie's 16, and my amazing wife, Maureen. We've been married for 20 years, and um, we, we met, Maureen and I met at Ohio University. I grew up in Grafton right down the road from here, and uh, we went to OU. Any Bobcats out there? Families of Bobcats. All right, come on. You can, you can share. That's awesome. A little woo-hoo is great. Um, and I, I was in sports medicine for 12 years, and then I was in medical sales for five years before I came into ministry. I got my call to ministry just after I came to know Jesus while I was still at Ohio University um, and God fulfilled that about 17 years later. And um, I, when I was a, while I've been at Grace, I was in kids' ministry for four years. And then I did men's ministry for about five and a half years. And now I have a new role at Grace. I'm uh, doing prison ministry. So I um, have really just want to share my story of what God's been doing in and through prison ministry this morning with you. I first want to start with my scary dream. My scary dream ha- happened, I had a friend who was in our, our Bible study that I, I was teaching, and he said, hey, his name was Ted, he said, I want you to come with me to prison. And I said, no, I don't wanna go to you, Go with you to prison, that's scary, I don't wanna do it. And he said, no, come on, it's, it's not that bad, I want you to, I just want you to experience it, experience what I do every week. And he's a volunteer and does this every week, he still does it today. And uh, he leads the chapel, so I went with him, the night before, I had this horrible dream. I dreamt that, if you can show that picture, the, the big yard at Lorraine Correctional, right in the middle of it, I had this dream that all the guys started coming out of their buildings right as we were in the middle of it, and it was lunchtime, and I watched too many prison shows, right? So I heard this big horn, and then all the guys come out, and they trampled me and killed me. That was the night before I was going in, and I thought, this is awful, I don't wanna do this. And so, we're going through security the next day, and as we are in the middle of the yard, no joke, all the guys come out of their, their buildings, and they're going to the lunch hall. And I'm like, oh my gosh, God's gonna fulfill my dream, Like that's not what I want to happen, right? Well, they all walked by, they were nice, they waved, they said hi, and you know we went on and had a great day in the chapel, and Ted was right, it was not as bad as I thought, but to progress from there, what God has done is pretty amazing. So in 2018, uh, that was early 2018, and Ted told me, he said, you gotta meet this guy, his name's Mike Swagger, he does prison ministry, he was in prison for 17 years, and he's been out for about 12 years at the time, and he said, you gotta meet him. So I took him up on it. I met with Mike, and we had a great lunch together, and we realized that we, had, um, we both were mentored by the same guy, Lowell Snyder, who was my neighbor growing up, mentored me through high school and college, and he mentored Mike while Mike was in prison. And so it was, it was really great getting to know Mike, and I, we kind of left and said, hey, if we ever connect again, that'd be great. Well, as I was preparing for um, our spring um, men's conference, I said, we should, I really felt like the Lord was saying, invite Mike. So we did that in 2019, Mike was our our main speaker at our men's conference, and then in the fall, Mike and I were praying about it, and we said, what if we had four guys, former inmates, that came to our men's Bible study and just shared with our guys what it was like for them while they were in prison as a Christian, and then what it was like for them as they transitioned into society outside the prison. And it was a very impactful day. Well, that led to Mike and I continuing to talk and praying and I just really felt like God wanted us to do a men's conference in the prison this time. And not just us bring a great conference to them, but 30 guys from Grace go into the prison and let's do a combined men's conference. 30 guys that they brought, 30 guys we brought. We had speakers, we had meals together, we talked about what we were learning, worship together. It was a very, very impactful day. On my way home from that, I really felt like God was saying, Scott, this is gonna be your next campus at Grace Church. And I thought, Lord, that's crazy. Let me just call Mike and tell him how crazy this is. So I called Mike, and he was like, I've been praying for that for years, that a church would plant a campus inside one of the prisons that he visits often. And I thought, darn, that's not what I was hoping to hear, because that scares me, right? And well, maybe it was just my, you know, this idea and someone else would do it. Well, this was Uh, January of 2020 and shortly after that COVID hit, it shut everything down. So I thought maybe that was just my dream and not God's dream, right? And so April of 2021 hits and Mike says, hey, let's do lunch. And he says, uh, Lorraine Correctional in Grafton is ready for Grace Church to launch a campus. And I was like, that's amazing. So took it back to our senior pastor, Jonathan, and our leadership team and our elder team, and everyone was thumbs up, ready to go. And I was very scared, to be honest. And it's not what I wanted to do. I I had a really nice role doing men's ministry. Um, It was pretty comfortable, I was getting used to it, and now God's taking me in a different direction. So, this is what I believe God's vision is. I believe that God's vision for his church is to live out the great commission of making Jesus number one in every area of your life while making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And this means that we look for opportunities to serve those who don't know Jesus yet, while we're also sharing the good news with whoever it is that God's called us to about what Jesus has done for us and what he wants to do for all people. Even amongst the forgotten ones, the marginalized, those in prison. And this is what I was hearing from the Lord to reach the incarcerated. Jesus states in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, that when we, I'm paraphrasing this, if I have permission to do that, when we visit those in in prison, we actually visited with Jesus. In other words, Jesus is calling his followers to go to those who are forgotten about. And and I have felt called to the incarcerated community in order to share this amazing news about living the transformed life and being changed forever forever for people who believe that no one cares about them. They also need to know that they are valued and loved by the creator of their souls, just like all of us in here. So what has transpired since we said yes to launching a prison campus? We are literally watching God, the hand of God, open doors and connect people in ways that only he could do. We spent from April to October preparing and waiting for a meeting to happen with the prison. And in October, October 21st, I still have the voicemail on my phone. Mike called and he left a voicemail. He said, Warden Jennifer Galise Black is ready to meet with Grace Church. So let's get it scheduled. So I started praying for this meeting. I started praying that God would really put on her heart for transformational ministries to happen. I had no idea what ministry, I'd never met her before, I didn't know if she was a Christian or not, I had no idea what ministries she would ever want to happen there. But I did know that these men need hope, and I knew that we could provide that. I also knew that many people in the incarcerated community have a lot of questions about God, and we can provide that as well. I also knew that a lot of people in the incarcerated community have addiction, and so do we in in the church, so we could provide some help with that as well. Finally, I knew that there are people in prison who know Jesus and they need to be discipled. So I knew that we could help with that as well. But I literally had no idea what to expect for this meeting that was about to happen. I just came prepared with what we might be able to do and then I just showed up for the meeting The the warden couldn't believe what we were offering, and she was so excited for all of this to happen. She wanted everything that we offered, and she could not wait for it to start. I was astonished. Now, Scott Lessing is now seeing more clearly than I have in a long time. I, I shared all of this with one of my really good friends, Chris Wokel, and he said, Scott, your story sounds like that boy when Jesus fed the 5,000 that we just heard about, the boy who just brought his lunch and he showed up. He's like, that's you. This is your story. You know, the more that's happening all around me right now, this has been happening for the last six months, the more I feel like that boy who just showed up and brought his lunch. So let's look at that scripture together. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. This story, by the way, is in all four gospel accounts The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat Jesus said to them Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place But many who saw them leaving recognized them and they ran off from foot on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus, landed on, when, he, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, oh, that that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he said. Go and see. When they found out, they said five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. There was a lot of ministry happening at this time. Because they were all so busy with healing and giving people to the needs that they had, Jesus invites the disciples to take a break where they could just share with each other what was happening and eat some food and rest. So they jump into this boat, they go from one area on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, on the northwest side, they go over to the east side, and they were close enough to the shore that they could see who was in the boat, and so they follow, and this crowd gets bigger and bigger and bigger as they go across to the other side. You see, these people really wanted to be with Jesus. The question is why? Why did so many people wanna be with Jesus? He was healing people all over the region, like the woman who was bleeding for 12 years and spent her entire savings on doctors to try to help her. She, is so, she has so much faith that Jesus will heal her, that she just touches his clothing to be healed and she believes that it's going to happen. When Jesus spoke to her, he promised that not only would she be healed, but that she would also have peace, which is amazing. Not just healing, but peace, and that she would no longer suffer. So Jesus wasn't just providing healing, he was also providing hope for her life. That's why so many people were wanting to follow Jesus. And think about the guy who was possessed by a demon. When Jesus told him that he's, he no longer has to be controlled by demons, he's free from their control, he also has mercy on him. So he heals him and has mercy on him. Both of these examples in the Bible are of people who were the outcasts, the forgotten ones, the marginalized. So why did people really want to be with Jesus to answer that question? Because people knew that Jesus offered not just healing, but peace and mercy as well. So as Jesus went, There was something that was fueling Jesus's ministry. His desire to heal and give peace and mercy. This large crowd was following Jesus and the guys, right? Jesus could have yelled at them and he could have, just like he told the storm, stop. We're not gonna do this today, I'm done healing. I'm no longer gonna do that today. My guys are tired, they're hungry. They're just simply humans, right? They need some rest. So come back tomorrow and we'll finish what we're doing. But he didn't do that. Three of the four accounts say this, that when he landed on the other side and he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them as he taught them, as he healed them, as he gave them peace and mercy. Jesus had two things that fueled his ministry. Compassion for people, and he knew that he could do the miraculous, and he did the miraculous. Compassion and doing things that only he could do. That's what fueled Jesus's ministry. What about the disciples and the young guy? What did they do? They just showed up, right? We have to show up with what? The same thing that fuels Jesus' ministry, a little bit different, but compassion for people and faith that Jesus will do the miraculous. So that should be fueling our charge as we go and make disciples on a daily basis. The charge is fueled by compassion for people and an expectation, faith, that Jesus will do the miraculous. I'm a man of questions. I love to ask questions. I was raised in a home of an attorney and all he did was ask questions. Papa, he still asked questions all the time. So pardon all my questions. If you get a little frustrated, you can tell me later and tell me to change it. I didn't have anybody say it the first time, but you're more than welcome to. But I ask myself this question, what happens when we join Jesus where he's working? Well, let's turn to John Six, this is John's account of the same thing. Verses five through 10. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Isn't that amazing? Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough food and bread for each one to have a bite. A bite. A bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and he said this, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many people? What's amazing here is that Jesus didn't ask the guys to participate. He tested them. Jesus tested Philip and in doing so tested the disciples. Jesus wanted them to identify where they were at, right? He wanted to test their hearts and their minds. In verse six, it says that Jesus already knew what he was planning on doing to feed the 5,000. But the guys had no idea what he had in mind. Their perspective on what God was going to do or not do was revealed in that moment. This is what their perspective was. I believe that they did not in that moment have a kingdom perspective, a kingdom mindset, not in that moment. They didn't know what to do as it was getting late. So they tell Jesus what they think should happen based on what? Their own personal experiences in life. Is that a bad thing? No, not at all. They were just sharing all they knew, right? Send everyone to the small villages around here so that they can eat, so they can feed themselves. Often, I believe, We cannot imagine or foresee God's way of doing something. Isn't that true? We struggle with seeing God's perspective. What is he gonna do in this situation? What is he trying to accomplish? Why? Because we haven't experienced God-sized solutions. Or maybe, in the case of the guys, we haven't experienced it enough yet. You see, without seeing God-sized solutions, it's hard to have God-sized dreams. Maybe you have dreams like I did, my scary dream, right? Instead of God-sized dreams. Now, this is early in Jesus' ministry, and, and the guys, they haven't experienced Jesus maybe enough yet. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They've seen the calming of the storm at this point. They've seen the healing of a possessed demon man. The dead girl and the sick woman, maybe they just haven't seen enough of what God has, could do or, or has done. But this is what they did. They did come with compassion for people, right? They came with compassion for people. But their faith in Jesus doing the miraculous hadn't been developed yet. It takes time to form new neural pathways. We know that to be true. So when we're struggling to see God-sized solutions, it's okay. God will develop it, but we have to be willing and available. So let's go back to the question from Jesus to Philip. Philip, what would you do? Trust for something greater or share only what I know? I probably resonate more with Philip the last six months. I, I, it's what I think might happen. Philip was being tested at the soul level. Philip, do you have God-sized dreams yet? Philip, do you realize that your dreams are actually Philip-sized dreams? So why would Jesus test them? What's the purpose of a test? A test is simply to show the student who he or she is. A test reveals you to yourself. This is how much knowledge I have. This is what I know. This is what I don't know. This is what I need to work on to get better at the test next time. The the test is not so the teacher gets to know the student better. It's so that we understand ourselves better. You see, Philip would have realized at the end of this day that he needs to ask for God-sized results. The neural pathways are starting to be created. Philip realized that his faith and his dreams were too small or maybe they were too routine. And in doing so, Philip, is growing at the soul level as he got in the game. He definitely grew in his compassion. And he's starting to grow in his faith that Jesus will do the miraculous. And we see this later on in Acts. I encourage you guys to read Acts chapter eight. I'm gonna read just a portion, but that whole chapter, it's amazing what we see Philip doing now. Let me just give you a quick little snippet This is right after the church was persecuted and they were scattered, right? And it says in verse four, Philip goes down to Samaria and those who had been scattered uh, preaching the word wherever they went, Philip went down to the city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs that he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many and many were paralyzed or and many who were paralyzed or lame they were healed you see Jesus or Philip now knew what Jesus could do he's experiencing more and more of only the miraculous that Jesus could do and so now when he's by himself preaching in a in a in a strange city he's telling people how Jesus can heal them and bring peace to them and have mercy on them. People who needed hope, that's what Philip did. He was transformed. Has God ever tested you? Has God ever revealed to you your perspective and where your compassion for people is and where your faith is at that Jesus will or maybe will not do the miraculous? I just wanna share my perspective that I've been going through the last six months. God's been testing me with this entire prison campus, probably more than I have in a long time. This is what he's revealed to me. He's revealed to me where my faith has been shallow. He's revealed to me where my faith has been in Scott. He's revealed to me where I need to grow. He's also told me when I don't have clarity in what he's doing, I just start to trust me more. And sometimes, I stop trusting Jesus altogether. You ever been there? It's been a huge test for me. But this is where I've grown. I've grown in my compassion for people, especially the marginalized. I've grown in my faith that Jesus will do the miraculous. I've grown in my understanding that God can do so much more than Scott could ever imagine. And I've grown in my desperate dependence on the Holy Spirit for many, many things. I have grown in my dreaming God-sized dreams. So here's another Papa question for you. Where have you been tested in your life lately? I would say that most of us have been tested, whether it's all the stuff we've gone through in the last two years, or maybe you're like Maureen and I, we have two teenage kids. I love you guys, but we're tested. (laughs) Maybe you don't even know that it was a test. Maybe a friend was asking you a question about joining them at Building Hope in the City in downtown Cleveland. Or or maybe it was someone asking you to join their small group, and you're really nervous about being vulnerable in front of other people, so you might want to make an excuse of why you can't join. Or, Or maybe it's someone asking you about your faith in Jesus, and you don't know how to share the gospel, but you don't want to admit it to anybody. Or maybe God's asking you to start a new ministry and you're like, no way, like I was. Where is God testing you today? Where has he tested you in the past? How have you grown when you were tested? Can you look back and see where you've grown like Philip? Do you need more compassion for people? Do you need greater faith in Jesus to do the miraculous? I wanna encourage you today to lean into the testing. Lean into the testing. And when we do, to bring your lunch. You know, we must show up and bring our gifts. I believe that God's calling all of us to do this, our, our talents and our gifts. You look at 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, it talks about the way that God's gifted each and every one of us. John 6, 9 says that, The disciples found five loaves and two fish by who? This boy who prepared his lunch in advance and brought it with him as he wanted to watch Jesus. We don't know very much about this young guy, but we do know this, that he came to be with Jesus and he came prepared. And I believe what this means for us is that we need to come prepared to join Jesus and bring our gifts and our talents with us. In other words, don't just come to be fed. Now, I asked this question at the nine o'clock service and everyone laughed, but I'm about to get a little prickly. My question is this Does Pastor Sean, is he a little prickly sometimes with you guys? Not as much with the 11 o'clock? We've got to talk with him about that because the nine o'clock, he, they, everyone's like, oh, he's really prickly with us. He challenges us all the time. Well, this is the challenge. Don't just show up to be fed. In other words, this is the hard thing. Don't come just to be a consumer to church on Sunday. I believe that most of our churches are filled with people who've been feeding for many, many years, and they're gluttonous. Now, there's a time for us to come for healing. There's a time, maybe you're here and you want to trust Jesus for the first time. You, you need to come and be fed. But there comes a time when I believe we need to stop being gluttonous and we need to stop being a consumer and we need to get in the game. We need to bring our lunch and go where Jesus is calling us to go. You see, when, when we become gluttonous, let me just say this and then I'll hop off the prickly chain, okay? when we're When, when we're just coming as a consumer, that's when churches die. That's also when all of the volunteers like Frank, who does the coffee, and the prayer team at the beginning, the worship team, the kids ministry team, the welcome team, the tech team, all the teams that make things happen, they start to get burned out, and there's no one to replace them. I I was gonna say I don't like to be prickly, but My family's here and they know that's true. I do like to be prickly, so can't lie in front of my family, but let's jump off the prickly part and say this, is that I believe that God wants us all to bring our lunch and be prepared for what God has to do, what he wants to do. God wants to show up and show off and he wants to do it in you and through you. So what can we do? Prepare what you do have. Join Jesus where he's already working. God's doing something around most of us, all of us. We just need to ask him for it. Where is it, Lord, that you're working? Who is it that you're working in or around me? Desperately depend on the Holy Spirit to to do the work, to give you the words, to give you the courage, to give you the wisdom and the strength. Ask for more compassion for people and have greater faith that Jesus will do the miraculous. I love thinking about what is not in the Bible sometimes. Can you imagine what that boy was thinking as they were talking about his food and all of a sudden Jesus takes his lunch and he blesses it and then feeds over 5,000 people? Can you imagine, he was probably like, oh my gosh, I thought I was coming just to watch Jesus. Do you know what he just did? This has never happened in the history of the world before. He took my food and he fed over 5,000 people with it. I would imagine, we don't know this, I would imagine that that experience transformed his life. And all he did was pack his lunch and show up to watch Jesus. For the prison ministry, we're beginning to see what Jesus is doing with what all of our people are bringing to the table, it's unbelievable. Our faith, our team's faith, is growing immensely as doors open up and relationships are growing. Every time that I think there's no way this is going to happen, I mean, I, they shut down Sunday services. Well, I guess we're not going to do Monday services or Tuesday, or because we only do service on Sunday, right? Nope. The chaplain's like, I'm going to give you Monday for the whole day. You can have the chapel and you guys can do a service in there for the whole day because they don't do anything on Sundays right now. They don't have enough staff. Wow, that's like Jesus just multiplied my lunch, right? God continues to show up and blow the doors away with what he's showing us. So what happened to the disciples when they landed on the other side of the lake and they were, there were 5,000 people on the shore waiting for Jesus? Jesus does the miraculous, right? The disciples get in the game, and they begin serving the 5,000 people. They weren't just spectators, they could have been. I mean, Jesus, after all, told them, just rest, right? Go eat. They could have just done that, but they didn't. This boy, he brings his food and the disciples, they begin distributing all the food. God uses all of us in different ways as the body of Christ, it's beautiful. When we bring our lunch and have compassion on people and have faith that Jesus will do what only he can do, the miraculous, listen to this. He's gonna write the rest of the story in and through your life. I love this phrase, it's not mine, I stole it. We get to participate in what God's doing. We get to, it's our, we have a choice. We can participate, but we get to do it. We don't have to. We get to participate. I wonder how God will use each of us as we get in the game and watch Jesus transform lives when we simply bring our lunch. I have one last story. I just brought my lunch to that first meeting. We showed up to that first meeting with the warden. Mike did all the talking. I just sat there. I had no idea what to say. I didn't know what to expect. I was incredibly nervous. And she said yes to all three ministry programs. The three ministries that she said yes to are Alpha, you know, questions that, got, that guys have about God, uh, Galvanize, which is a recovery ministry, a Christian recovery ministry for guys who have addictions, and Discipleship, for guys who are Christians and they're in prison, right? She said yes to all three. And she also said yes to having a service on Mondays, two services on Monday. And then she was so excited, especially about the galvanized, the, the Christian recovery. She gets, she's like, "You got, I, I, come here, follow me, follow me. So we follow her down this hallway, and she, we walk into this, this office room that has like 10 desks in there, and she says, I want to give you guys this room. This is going to be Grace Church's office. And you can paint it whatever you want, but I want you to do this, put two pictures on the walls, one picture of each campus, so that when the guys leave here, when, when they go home, they have this vision of where they can be, where they can be accepted, where they can have hope, right? Isn't that a beautiful vision? Yes. And then she says this, I also wanna give you keys to the chapel, Now, for me, I was like, okay, like, that makes sense, right? Like, we're gonna have our own office. We should have our own keys. And Mike says, Scott, you don't understand. This stuff never happens in prison. It takes people years to get stuff like this. And it happened in one meeting. God did the miraculous, right? And then we're not done. She says this, hey, listen, I had a conversation with one of the inmates yesterday or two days ago, and he's really broken He's really hopeless and he wants a change in his life. So I thought you guys would be perfect to help him with that. We're like, yeah, we, we can help him with change, right? So she brings him down and she sits with Mike and I as we're talking to, his name's Eddie. And Mike starts asking him all kinds of questions about you know, what got him there and what you're not supposed to do, but Mike has that, that opportunity because he's a former inmate. And so he talks about the whole process of what's gonna happen. You know, helps walk him through like what's gonna happen when he leaves. And then he says this, he says, where are, you, where are you at with God? And Eddie says, I hate God. God got me in this place. And Mike gently reminded Eddie that Eddie got himself in this place, but God wants to restore him. And then, then Mike turns to me and he's like, you got anything to share, Scott? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm, I thought I was just watching this amazing conversation happen. I literally didn't know what to say. I was like, uh, uh, like I had never ever talked about Jesus before, right? So I just start with my story. Hey, when I was 19, I was hopeless. Uh, when I was 19, I was at Ohio University as a freshman. My girlfriend died. She fell four stories headfirst out of a window. I was really mad at God. I know exactly where you're at. His eyes got real wide. Now, I don't have a story like his, but I have my story. And I shared with him how people poured into my life and people shared the gospel with me and people, even through those four years, I was still mad at God for most of those years. And then finally, I just broke down and I just accepted Jesus. And I just said to Eddie, I said, do you want God to transform your life and to change your life like he has mine? And he was like, yeah, I do. And it was amazing, like, I just shared with Eddie, like, hey, this is probably something about like, how I prayed the very first time I ever accepted Christ. So just make it your own, man. Like, pray to Jesus, and he did. He prayed to Jesus that day, and it was so amazing. Our very first day, all those things happened, but guess what, somebody comes to know Jesus. Amen. The kingdom of God is growing, That's right. because people are saying yes, they're bringing their lunch, and they have compassion for people, and they have faith that God will do the miraculous. To wrap up, when you simply just bring your lunch, you will experience, I believe, what we have in prison. We we have experienced compassion like Jesus has. Faith that Jesus will do the miraculous more than we could ever imagine. Jesus has something planned for you to join him in doing. He's already got it planned out. He's just waiting for you to come. And when we simply bring our lunch, I love this. He will write the rest of the story in and through your life. He will. The kingdom of God will continue to grow one person at a time. And Jesus does the multiplication. He does the multiplying. How about you? Will you simply... Walk with Jesus. Go where he is going and just bring your lunch. Have compassion for people and have faith that Jesus will do the miraculous. And when we do, we get to participate in what God already has planned out. And more people will be added to the kingdom of God as it said in in Acts, daily. Let's pray. Jesus you just blow me away. You continue to do more than we could ever imagine in ways that we just don't understand or even, but Lord, the more that we see, the more we experience with you, the greater vision you give us for what could happen. And Lord, when that happens, we begin to pray in ways that we never have before maybe in ways that that we begin to expect that you will do the miraculous. But Lord, it's your miracle, it's not ours. So Lord, we just pray for you to do what only you can do. And on the other side of it, we will praise you for exactly what you did. Lord, there might be people here today who are hurting and they might be hopeless. They've been through a lot. And they need you to heal them. They need you to give them peace. They need you to give them your mercy. Lord, we pray for that to happen today. Lord, there's also people here who, maybe they've been itching to get in the game. They just don't know how. They don't know what to do. They need to hear from you. They, they need a word from you, Lord, of what it is that you're calling them to. There might be other people here, Lord, who they know exactly what it is, but maybe they're afraid or, or maybe they just, they're tired. Or maybe they just need someone to partner with them and to go in it with them. Lord, we pray for that to happen too. Lord, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you invite us, that you do invite us to participate in what you're doing, things that you've planned way in advance. And Lord, we know, that you are gonna do what only you can do. We pray for our faith to grow greater, and we pray, Lord, that we have more compassion on people than ever before. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.